Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be hanging out in Ephesians over the next month. And um, Ephesians is an awesome book. You, you find this with the Apostle Paul. Romans does this. Ephesians does this. Colossians does this. Galatians does this. Where the first few chapters are what Christ has done and who you are in Christ and the work of Christ on the cross. And, and then the, the second half of the book is our response. How we, how we live, how we act, how we walk in the spirit, how we walk by faith. And so we're going to get to things like obedience and walking in holiness, those kind of things. We're going to get there, but we're not getting there today or next week. So if I'm preaching about grace tonight and you go, yeah, but what about? Just chill because we're not getting there tonight, okay? Tonight I want to just give you the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to remind you that this is by grace alone. And I'm, I'm praying that tonight there would just be an exhale over your spiritual walk, that you would leave striving and, and trying, and you would begin to walk in receiving. And um, this is really a series we, we have to do at least annually because we have to be reminded that we're grace people, that, that we are not just good religious people, but we are people in desperate need of the grace of God. And uh, even as we preached this probably 18 months ago, I had a friend come up to me after the 10 o'clock today, and he just goes, he goes, I needed this so much. And he goes, I was so much more open to this today than I was even 18 months ago. And he goes, so I'm grateful you, you're bringing it back because I, I need it again. And I was so resistant the first time, and now I'm more open to it. So that, that's my prayer. I'm not trying to say anything new tonight that I haven't said before, though I, I have a lot of new stuff. But I'm not trying to, because these are just familiar truths that I pray get into your spirit. Phrases like, grace does the heavy lifting, and grace causes you to exhale, and forgiven forever. And these are the grace is God's yes to humanity. These are phrases that I, I not only want to say during a series, but <clears throat> really phrases that I want in the fabric of our church, okay? So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. And I'm going to teach a little bit tonight, so roll with me. By the way, happy anniversary to my wife. She had to run out with my daughter, but we just celebrated 15 years. Let's go. And uh, so grateful for her. We had the best time this week. We got away for a couple of days, and, uh, but it's good to be back. I know I've been gone a lot this summer. I know a lot of you have been frustrated with me. Where have you been? Where are you? I've been helping a lot of pastors this summer, but I'm back. And I mean, unless, unless God leads us to do something, I'm, I'm home every Sunday for the rest of the year. And I'm not planning on traveling. I want to be home. I want to reach our city. I want to golf with my friends. And uh, I, got a little, I got a little gym going on in my garage. I'm trying to use that. So praise the Lord. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. TMI. <laughs> May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Man, I feel Jesus in this room right now. Man, I got to, I'm like, huh? it's all right here. It's like I could just start sobbing. Grace and peace. <laughs> grace and peace. Grace and peace. Everybody say grace and peace. Okay, and all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual 
blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And God decided in advance, notice this, God decided in advance through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Notice this. God doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. It's a privilege of being God. He wanted to do it. He wanted to save you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wanted to, and, he, and it gave him great pleasure to save you. It gave him great pleasure to save us. So we praise God in response to to his desire and to his will and to his want to, we, we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom Amen. and understanding. Amen. I want to talk tonight about the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit that's in this room. I thank you for a faithful church that loves you. And I thank you for this city that you love. This city that you've graced us to reach. Lord, in the midst of COVID craziness and in the midst of variance and in the midst of such weirdness that we're in. Lord, I have to believe that we're here for such a time as this. I have to believe that there's grace for us and grace for our children. So, Lord, your grace is sufficient. And we love you tonight. We praise you tonight. In Jesus' name, the whole church said amen. We'll pray for your pastor right now. It's going to be an emotional night. We got we to get this thing together. Amen. I was recently golfing with uh, two friends. One of them uh, is, a, is a believer, goes to our church, and another one doesn't go to our church, and it's kind of on a, on a journey right now of faith. And so we were golfing, and as we're at the tee box, my, my friend who is, is not a, um, a Christian, he, he, said, so, he said, hey, what's the difference between Christianity and, and then he named the religion that he's kind of born and raised in. He goes, what's the difference between Christianity and my religion? And I, I immediately, it's like my stomach starts turning. I start sweating. I start getting nervous. God, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to offend him. I want to tell him the truth. But I, I don't want to I, need to, I need to say it the right way. I'm just overthinking everything. And so we're there at the tee box. I, well, you know, well, it's kind of like, I don't know. Like maybe, I don't know. And my friend Isaiah, who goes to our church, he just, blurts out he goes and and we're kind of here and he's over here and he goes grace grace and I went yeah it's grace that's right yes yes I knew yes I knew the answer grace he goes what do you mean and I go well um you know we're kind of like what grace is and he goes it's unmerited favor you can't earn it you can't deserve it it's not about you it's about Jesus yes that's it right amen praise God this was amazing to hear this from Isaiah. And Isaiah has an amazing testimony. He got saved out of Mormonism and out of, you know, real like works and religion and, and all of this. And he got radically born again in a Christian church. And, and so he understands the grace of God and he understands kind of the religious, you know, do's and don'ts of, of that religion. That wasn't the religion of our friend. And he goes, oh, no, no, this is all about grace. And I went, yes, this is all about grace. And I just want to tell you today, this is all about grace. Christianity is the message of grace. 
It is God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. You can't do anything to get it except receive it. It's not about being good. It's not about being bad. It's about grace. This is the message of Jesus, and this is the message of Scripture, and this is the message of the gospel. It has been hijacked by moralism. It has been hijacked by politics on both sides. It's been hijacked by many different things. But at the end of the day, what what Christianity really is and what the gospel of Jesus Christ really is and the message of Jesus is a message of grace. God's unmerited favor, God's free gift to humanity. I, I want you to see grace different than how religion would work. Because look at Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. Look at this on the, on the screen. The wages, the payment. Everyone who is in this room who has a job, you get a wage. You get a payment. Well, the payment for sin, the wage for sin, the, the thing that you deserve for your sin is death, spiritual death. That's the wage of sin. But watch this. He does not say, but the wage of God is eternal life. He doesn't say wage. Gift. So the wages, the deserved payment for our sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life. Watch this. Not in your own works, not in your own righteousness, not in what you can do. But in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the Apostle Paul says, by by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God says to us that if you want to do this on your own, you're going to get paid for it. And it's always going to lead to death. Or you can receive the free gift of God that leads to salvation, that leads to eternal life. Now I want you to understand this because when we think about heaven and hell, for most people, here's what we think of. If I can have enough good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, I can go to heaven. But if I do more bad deeds than good deeds, I'm going to hell. And every day is a little different. So you go to bed some nights and you go, yeah, I think I did. I helped that lady and I dropped that 20 in the offering and I, I sang really loud and I smiled at that. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty good. And then the next day you cut that person off in traffic and you flip them off and you run them off the road and you... And you were mean to your boss and you screamed at your coworker and you're going, oh man, I think I'm going to hell. (laughs) As would we. (laughs) But it's not about that. That, that, But that's how people think of religion. That's how people think about it. It's, It's not about that. It's the wages and it's the free gift. And you have to decide what you're gonna live in. I'm gonna live in the free gift. Grace is the message of Christianity. Grace is the gospel. When I say gospel, gospel is a very common word in New Testament days that we don't use anymore, but it literally means an announcement of good news. So when people say the gospel is the good news, it it literally was a phrase used for the announcement of something good. So uh, if, if, if you're having a, a graduation party, you would, uh, you would announce your gospel of your graduation. Or if you're getting married and you wanted to invite someone to your wedding, you would send out your gospel of your wedding. Or if you're going to reveal your gender on Instagram, that would be the gospel of your gender. Or, so it was just the announcement of good news. So when we say the gospel of Jesus Christ, what we're saying is the good news 
of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and how we can receive that good thing in our life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the announcement that God became a man and came to earth, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, rose from the grave, and now offers us the free gift of salvation. Our response to that good news, our response to that invitation, our response to that announcement is to believe in what Jesus did for us and believe that it is enough. Trusting him to save us from our sins and joyfully giving Jesus our lives and surrender to his lordship. The gospel is the life and the message and the ministry of Jesus. And then it is our response to that life and that message and that ministry. And it is good news. It is grace. It is mercy and it is nothing else but good. So let me just show you a few things we just read from Ephesians. Here's the first, the words of the gospel. The words of the gospel. When you think of the gospel, I want you to think of two words in particular, and they are grace and peace. The Apostle Paul starts the letter by declaring grace and peace over the church. And I want to tell you today that when you truly experience Jesus, when you truly believe in the gospel, when you truly receive this, it will always lead to grace and peace. Grace will always lead to peace. Grace is God's love in action. God does not love us because he has to. He loves us because he can't help it. <laughs> he loves us. He cares for us. It, uh, Omar said last week, grace is God's yes. That's grace. See, um, when, when we think of God's love for us, we a lot of times connect it to bad teaching that we've heard about love. And here's, here's the bad teaching about love. Um, man, I don't like that person, but God said I got to love him, so I got to love him because I, God said I got to love him. And Jesus said I got to love him like he loves me, so I got to love him. I don't like him, but I, look, I love him. I love him. I love him in the Lord. <laughs> and what we've done accidentally is we've taught ourselves that God doesn't like us, but he loves us because he's Jesus, so I guess he's got to love us. Well, I guess you're saved. Yeah, I mean, you prayed the prayer. I guess, yeah, you're in. I didn't. I wasn't crazy about you. I was hoping they prayed the prayer, but I guess it's you. And I guess I got to love you because I wrote it in the book. I guess I got to. Now, that teaching on love is for another day and another time, and I won't go there right now. But God doesn't just put up with us. God doesn't just deal with us. God doesn't just, oh, I guess, well, okay, I guess. Well, you're in Christ. I guess I got to love you. No, grace is God's Yes. Let me explain this the best way I can is after my wife went through 48 hours of labor, they finally said, we're going to have to have a C-section. And so they took Goldie out and while they were working on Shannon, I got to get up and go around the curtain and I didn't look, praise the Lord. <laughs> Some of you guys can, you film and I, no, I just, I, I didn't look <laughs> and I went straight to Goldie and I, I put out my finger and she grabbed my finger. And I screamed across the whole room. I went, she looks just like me. That was the first thing I said. And, and, and here's, what came out of my, here's what came out of my spirit. I, I didn't say it with my, 
with my mouth, but I, here, here's how I felt. Yes. Yes. What do you want? You want to go to Disney? Yes. You want my watch? Yes. You want money? Yes. You want my car? Yes. You want, what do you want? Yes. It's yes. It's yes, 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 yes. And even if I have to tell you no, it's only because I have a better yes. Like, it's just yes, yes, yes. Like, I'm just, I'm all in. I did not know that love until I touched my daughter. I didn't know that. That wasn't in me. My friends who had kids would go, you don't even know this kind of love yet. And a lot of you, you don't have kids yet. And you go, I love my dog. I love my cat. You don't even, you don't even, you don't even, no, no offense. I'm glad you love your cat. And I'm glad you love your dog. But you don't even know. Because the moment you touch that living soul and you touch that warm body, it's just, yes. And, there, and there's, there's nothing you can do about it. Let me tell you something. Grace is God's yes. Grace is not God tolerating you because he's stuck in a covenant or a contract with you. It's just, yes. It's just, I love you. It's, it's yes. It's grace. This, this is how God feels about you. Look at this. Grace is the dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront human indifference and rebellion with an inexhaustible capacity to forgive and bless. Some of you don't believe that, but that's, that's your life. Indifference and rebellion. We just keep saying no. We keep promising God we won't say no, and we keep saying no. And we keep telling God we're going to clean up our life. Put that back up for just one moment. And we keep saying no, and we keep making mistakes, and we keep sinning, and we keep having issues, and God meets that. God meets that rebellion, and he meets that indifference, and he meets that cold heart, and he meets that hard heart with this inexhaustible capability and capacity to just keep on forgiving and keep on blessing. That's grace. Like when you pray, God, I'll never do that again, he laughs. He thinks it's cute. And he keeps meeting you with this ability that is greater than your rebellion to just keep forgiving and to keep on blessing you. This is how God works. This is grace. This is the amazing grace of God. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We receive it. Wow. And, 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 and there is no other way. I'll, I'll get there in a second. But, man, I, look at Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1 says this, that because we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, because we have peace with God, we now have the peace of God. I'm at peace with God because of his grace. And now I receive the peace of God. The peace I have is directly connected to the grace I receive. Listen, the peace I have. It's directly connected to the grace I'm willing to receive. 
let me explain it. Because Paul said, Paul said grace and peace. He didn't say peace and grace. He said grace and peace. If salvation is up to you, you'll never have peace. Because you'll have to go to bed every night and go, did I love enough? Did I pray enough? Did I serve enough? Did I give enough? Was I nice enough? Did I think enough good thoughts? Did I, did I, did I stop that gossip? Did I help that person? Did I? By the way, here's the answer. You ready? No, you didn't. You didn't. You weren't, you weren't good enough. Well, Jamie, I'm pretty good. Pretty good isn't enough. <laughs> like, I'm glad you're pretty good. I, I can look around this room. I see a lot of people I know. Y'all are pretty good. Maybe better than me. You're pretty good. You're not perfect. If pretty good was enough, the Apostle Paul actually said that if our own works of righteousness could save us, Jesus died in vain. What God requires in his holiness is not pretty good. I'm a good person. I'm not doubting that. You're just not perfect. And what God requires is perfect. And you're not perfect. So you don't go to God and go, I'm pretty good. You go to God and say, I need mercy. I need grace. And he goes, I love that. I want to give you that. I want to get what. So when I say the peace I have is connected to the amount of grace I'm willing to receive. Because if you're not willing to receive it, then you've got to work. And your work will never be enough. So you'll live your whole life with no peace, wondering, have I done enough? No, you haven't. And no, you can't. And no, you shouldn't try. You should receive his grace. Hebrews 10.10 says it like this. We've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Once and for all. Why did did the writer of Hebrews say this? He's writing to Jewish people who are used to an annual sacrificial system. And they're only forgiven for a moment. They're only forgiven for a season. They're only forgiven for a year. And if Jesus would have died and stayed dead we would have only been forgiven for a moment. But because he rose from the grave, he died once and for all, and then he conquered it, and he will never go back to the cross. That means that we are no longer forgiven for a moment or for a season or for a good season that we're really loving God and really walking with God. No, we're forgiven forever because your forgiveness is not based on your works or on your righteousness or on what you can do. It is based on the finished, completed work of Jesus Christ. This is really good. This is really good. This is really good news. Because we're not putting our faith in pretty good. We're putting our faith in perfect. You know, there wasn't one song we sang tonight with your name in it. Pretty good people in here, but you didn't make the cut. You're great, but we weren't singing to you. You're, you're good, but you're not worthy. <laughs> you're, you're awesome, but you're not worthy of praise. You're not worthy of worship. So we didn't sing, Jabin, you are enough. No, I'm not. We didn't pray in the name of whatever your name is. In the name of Kyle. No, he's good. You just, there's just no power behind that name. There's no spiritual, supernatural power. 
don't be offended. Some of y'all are like, no, I actually think my name is special. No, it's... So you know what we do? We pray in the name of Jesus. We sing to Jehovah Jireh. We lift up the name of God our Father. There's power in that. There's praise in that. There's worship in that. Only he is worthy of our praise. So the next time you come to church and you don't like the songs, don't trip. They weren't for you. I didn't really like the worship today. Good. It wasn't for you anyway. It's for him. <laughs> John 19, 30. John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus said this. It is finished. Not it's almost finished. It's finished. He didn't say, Father, it's 99% finished. Okay, Christians, figure out the 1%. That would suck. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, he who began a good work in you, watch, he'll be faithful to complete it. Not you. But you know how Christians think? Well, he began it and now I got to complete it. No, you can't. You can't. That's why some of y'all get saved every Sunday. You pray the prayer every Sunday. Just in case. You don't need to do that. That is an insult of the grace of God. Because he who began the good work, he will be faithful to complete it. Not you. Romans chapter 11, verse 6. If it's by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If, if, it, were, if it were based on works, grace would no longer be grace. Like you can't have it both ways. It's not grace and works, it's grace. And if it were by works, grace would no longer be grace. It would be something else. It would be works. This is by grace. So I'm loved, I'm adopted, I'm his. And I didn't do anything to earn it. Grace and peace. Number two, that was only point number one. Pray for me. <laughs> oh, Jesus, have mercy. <clears throat> the God of the gospel. We talked about the words of the gospel. This is the God of the gospel. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he said. You gotta understand that the Father loves us, the Father blesses us, the Father cares for us, and the Father saves us. Many of you in the room, you, you have an unhealthy view of God the Father. You're, you're okay with Jesus, but you have not embraced God the Father. It's like Jesus is good cop and the Father's bad cop. Jesus is New Testament lovey, lamb around his neck, multiplying bread and fish, but the father in the Old Testament, he's the one who, you know, sucks people up into the ground. And so you don't mess with that. You don't go back there. And that is such a tactic of hell. Because if there is a side of God that you don't trust, you'll never experience intimacy with God. Y'all better tithe this week because that was so good. Thinking, hey, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Because let me tell you, let me tell you why some of you don't surrender. Because you're afraid. Because you, because you, you see him as this angry old man in the sky. Jesus is cool, man. But so what you think of is that Jesus died on the cross 
to save us from his wrath. Like he's angry, but Jesus went, Father, I'll, I'll, I'll die for them. But the apostle Paul just said, praise be unto God the Father. He, Paul will never say this. Wow, I'm so grateful for Jesus. He really saved us from the Father. You'll never read that kind of language in the scripture. You read over and over again. You read, you read, praise be unto God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I don't want to get too lost in penal substitution and Christus victory. I don't want to get too lost in theology here, but let me just tell you this. Jesus did not come to save us from the Father. He saves us from death. He saves us from hell. He saves us from sin. He saves us from dominion from darkness. He does not save us from the Father. He saves us unto the Father. He did not come to protect you from the Father. He came to reveal the Father. In John chapter 17... And John, and this is a big deal. Some of you are going, this is, you're making too big of a deal. No, I'm not. Because there cannot be a side of the Holy Trinity that you're afraid of. That's why the devil makes us freaked out about the Holy Spirit, so that you'll never receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So, so you're freaked out about the Spirit of God, and you never get to pray in tongues, and you never get to receive the spiritual gifts, because the enemy has so, has so confused that topic. And not only has he done that with the Holy Spirit, but the devil's done that to the church with God the Father. So it's like we've embraced Jesus, but we've rejected the Godhead. And we can no longer trust the goodness of God the Father. This is a big deal. Again, because if you don't trust him, you'll never be intimate with him. But I'm talking about the God of the gospel. Listen to me real quick. If, if, if your Christian expression is just moralism and works and religion, and do's and don'ts, that's your cycle. Moralism, and religion, and do's and don'ts, and that's all you'll live in. The gospel leads you to God. Religion leads you to being able to boast in your own works, and that's it. And what a terrible reward. Oh, yeah, I don't cuss. I don't cuss. <laughs> you drink? Oh, my God. That's your reward. Good for you. Wow, good for you. Oh, you don't smoke? Wow, great for you. And I don't smoke. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's your reward. That's the end of it. The reward of the gospel is God. You get to know God. You don't just get to know about God. You know God. You don't get to just study God. You know God. You don't just know the words of God. You know the author of the words. You don't, you don't just know how to act in church. You know the God of the house. You don't, you don't just know how to sing the songs. You know the God that we're singing about. You don't just know about him. You know him. See, this is what religious people in the, in the gospels, religious people in the gospels, Jesus walks up to them and he goes, you don't know the scripture. You don't know the scripture. He's talking to Pharisees and Sadducees that had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Memorized. Not the names. The actual books. Not like Genesis, Exodus. No. The actual book. They had them word for word. They would have also had Psalms memorized. They would have also had the Proverbs memorized. And they would have had most of the prophets memorized. And he goes, you don't know the Bible. Here's what he goes on to say. Because they testify of me. You've missed me in the book. You've learned the do's and don'ts. 
You've learned the commandments. You've actually added to the commandments. You've actually added more commandments. But you've missed me. This is why the Apostle Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the letter killeth. He's not saying the Bible kills. He's saying that if you separate the Bible from the Spirit of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God, you will end up using this as a weapon to hurt people. So he says, he says, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Am I saying to reject the Bible? Absolutely not. I've dedicated my whole life to the study of this book, the preaching of this book, the teaching of this book. But I know where it has to lead. It cannot lead. It cannot lead to just information. It has to lead to transformation. It cannot just lead to knowledge. It has to lead to the author. One theologian said, the Bible is the only book that if you'll open your heart, the author will always be present when you read it. <laughs> but that's grace. I'm talking about the God of the gospel. Look what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this, watch me, all this is from God. He didn't say from Jesus. He said from God. He's making a point. He's talking about the Father. Salvation is of the Lord, the psalm says. This is not Jesus doing this against the Father's will. This is from God. Salvation is from God. I, I just want you to embrace this so that you can, so you can pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you can know God as your father. This is, this is from, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's the, here's the ministry. That is in Christ, God was reconciling us. So we think of Jesus on the cross kind of receiving this judgment from an angry father. Protecting us. No, this was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the body of Christ paying the penalty for his people. You've got to understand this. And I'll just show it to you in the most simple text that almost everyone in this room probably knows John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You see the partnership here? That anyone who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus would go on to talk about how the... I'm blowing out this speaker. I'm so excited. Am I okay? Do I not need to move? I'll just preach just like this. He goes on to say that the Spirit of God is like the wind that blows. What, what was he saying? He was saying that salvation is the entire trinity in agreement, in partnership, saving his people. I just want you to understand this. This is a big deal. Number, number three, I got to end. The work of the gospel. The work of the gospel. Philip Yancey said it like this. God will never love you more and he will never love you less than he does right now. Oh, I love that. God will love me more when I clean up my life. No, he'll never love you more. He'll never love you less than he does right now. I want to go back to my illustration of Goldie when I 
when I had that yes moment. We, we were wanting to have a child. We were, I wouldn't say we were trying, we were just no longer not trying. <laughs> Cover your kids' ears, amen. <laughs> so, when, so when Shannon told me she was pregnant, I was surprised. I was, it wasn't a bad surprise, it was an awesome surprise, but we, you know, we weren't counting days and we weren't doing all this stuff. We were just kind of letting God be God, praise the Lord. <laughs> trying to be, trying to keep this thing sanctified. So uh, here's what I want you to understand. It, it was a surprise. It was a good surprise, but it was a surprise. It was a, this is awesome, but it was a surprise. Here's why I say this. Because that's not how God saves us. Surprise. The Bible says he adopts us. This means that he plans it and he prepares for it and he is thinking about it and he's involved in the process. He, he adopts us. He doesn't just save us. Oh, oh, they got saved. Okay, no. He adopts us. He bring, Oh, cool, another kid in the kingdom. No, he adopts us. This is a big deal. If, you, if anyone knows anything about adoption in the room, you know it's very expensive and it requires a lot of planning and a lot of emotion and a lot of rejection. And the Father adopts us, the Bible said. Now, this is a big deal, especially to these Ephesians, these Gentiles, these uncircumcised Gentile believers. See, Paul's going to say this. When you read Romans, when you read um, Colossians, when you read Ephesians, and you read Galatians, over and over and over and over and over and over again, you read this. You're chosen. You're predestined. You're called. You're, this is the work of God. This is the work of God. God did this. God did this. So much so that there's actually churches that, that believe that God chooses some and rejects others. It's called Calvinism. And, and they have this thought that, you, okay, you're going to heaven and you're going to hell and that God has this choosing. That's not at all what the Apostle Paul was teaching. <laughs> here's, here's what the Apostle Paul was telling Gentiles. You got to understand this because in that day, Jews were considered the holy chosen elite. And now Paul is writing to these uncircumcised Gentiles. Here's what he's saying. You're just as called, you're just as chosen, you're just as saved, you're just as loved, you're just as adopted as I am as a Jew. This was glorious news to the Gentiles. This infuriated the Jewish people. So much so that Jewish people would go into these Christian churches and say, hey, you, you can follow Jesus, but you have to get circumcised. Hey, you can follow Jesus, but you have to follow the law. Hey, you, you can follow Jesus, but you have to honor the Sabbath. Hey, you, you can follow Jesus, but you have to follow the dietary laws. And, and Paul would be so bold in Galatians 3.13 to say this to a group of uncircumcised believers in Jesus. He would say this, you have received the blessing, watch this, of Abraham. You're as blessed as the Jewish people now. Now, even when I say that, people get nervous. Because they're like, oh, don't. 
I'm not saying anything anti-Semitic. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying God doesn't have a plan for Israel. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying what Paul said. He'll go on to say this. We'll look at it next week. He said, there is now one new man. Not Jew, not Greek, not male, not female, not slave, not free. He said, there is one new man. And it is the Christian. I'm not saying that you can't be proud of your heritage. But before I'm an American or a Mexican, before I'm a male and before I'm a pastor and before even I'm a husband or a father, I am a child of God. My citizenship is in heaven. I love being a Chavis. I'm down. I got the Chavis family crest tattooed right here. I'm not, I'm not. But I am Christian before I am anything else. When, when Paul says there's no Jew or Greek, there's no male or female, he's not saying you have to reject your, your gender. He's just saying in a, in a world where women were second-class citizens, he goes, no, you're now equally loved. In a world where the Jews were seen as the spiritually elite, he goes, nope, you're now both called and both saved and both loved. To a world where there was class systems and, and even slavery, he goes, there's no longer slave or free. In Christ, we are one. So now the Jew-Gentile thing isn't that big of a deal for us today, 2,000 years later. So let me just break it down. Some of you go, well, yeah, Jabin, God loves you. You're a preacher. Well, yeah, God loves them. They're third-generation Christian. Well, yeah, God obviously loves them. They're in ministry. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, God has a call on their life. I mean, they sing and preach. No, no, no. No Jew, no Gentile. In the eyes of God's not saying you have to erase or ignore your ethnicity. Here's what he's saying. In Christ, you are one. In Christ, you are loved. In Christ, you are not more spiritual because of your DNA. And you're not less spiritual because of your family tree. We are now equal at the only tree that matters. It's called Calvary. And at the cross of Calvary, we are one. And at the cross of Calvary, as one old preacher said it, at the cross of Calvary, all of the ground is the same level. Oh, this is good news. This is the work of the gospel. You come from generations of drug addicts, you're loved, you're called, you're saved. God has a plan for you. You come from a a great legacy of preachers, you're called, you're saved, you're loved. You're white, you're called, you're saved, you're loved if you put your faith in Christ. You're black, you're called, you're saved, you're loved. You're Asian, you're called, you're saved. It's no longer about any of that. It's now about my faith in Christ. That's our commonality. And you know what all this leads to? All of it leads to me going, "Ah, I don't have to work for this. I get to lay my head on the pillow tonight. And I don't have to ask myself, did I do enough? Yes, 
I get to lay down tonight and say, ah, it's finished. I'm loved. And I'm not loved because I preached. And I'm not loved because I'm nice to my wife. And I'm not loved because I'm a good parent. And I'm not loved because I'm generous. And I, I, Honestly, I think I'm doing pretty good at a lot of that stuff. But I'm not loved because I'm doing pretty good. Because there's some weeks I'm doing really bad. I don't know if I can admit that. I guess I can't. Got quiet in here. There's just some weeks I'm not, there's just some weeks I'm not a good husband. There's just some weeks I'm burnt out. There's just some weeks I, I don't want to pray. There's just some weeks I'm not inspired. So you know what I do? I go sit in my chair in my office. And I'll usually turn on some worship music and I'll open my hands. And I take my eyes off of me. And I take my eyes off of my failures. And I take my eyes off of my successes. And I take my eyes off of my weaknesses and I take my eyes off of my strengths. And I receive his grace and his peace. That's it. Aren't you tired of being on that hamster wheel of religion, of trying and trying and trying? you tired of it? You know what Jesus would say to you? Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. Are you tired of all this? Take, take my yoke upon you. Take my burden upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You, you go, what is, what is a yoke? What is a burden? Literally in that time, the yoke and the burden was the teachings of the rabbi. He goes, you've been trying to do this with all. Take on my teachings. Take on my yoke. Take on my burden. It's light. It's easy. Why? Because you don't do the heavy lifting he does. I got so much more to say, so I'm going to stop. Grace. 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 Anybody grateful tonight for the grace of God? Woo, I'm grateful, Lord.